0: This week's episode of Husky Talk. We are your hosts, Geneva Bentley and Frank. Today, our guest is an extremely talented musher. She placed third in last year's Iditarod. Please welcome to the show, Jesse Royer.
1: Hey, Jesse, how are you doing today? I'm good, how are you?
2: Thank you for joining us on Husky Talk this week. Well, thanks for having me. The first segment of our show is Iditarod Trivia. We are going to test your Iditarod knowledge. We have five Iditarod questions for you. Ready?
3: Okay. Yep.
0: Who was the first female champion of the Iditarod? That would be
3: Riddles in 1985. Yep. What is the
1: halfway checkpoint on the northern route?
3: That would be Cripple.
2: How many minutes do mushers start apart?
3: Uh, two minutes. Yeah. Yes. What was used for except the very first for, finish line? Except for the ceremonial start where sometimes there's three minutes in between for commercial breaks. But the real start is always two minutes.
0: Good job. What was used <laughs> for the very first finish line?
3: What was that again?
0: What was used for the very first finish line?
3: Oh, that one's, I don't know if I know that one. Um... You know what? I have to say I don't know.
2: It was Kool-Aid, so what? they didn't have anything to use, so they just went to the store and bought some Kool-Aid to put down for the finish line.
3: Okay, I think I remember that now, but yeah. <laughs> now that you say that, I kind of remember that, but I wasn't sure, so.
1: Who has the fastest finish time? That would be Nick
2: Suzy. Good job. You were four out of five. Now now to find a little more about you.
0: First, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: Well, um, I've I've been running sled dogs since I was 15. And so I've run 17 Iditarods now. I've raced all over the world, including France. And Canada, lower 48, Alaska, and I have a kennel of like 65 sled dogs.
1: We read that you started working with dogs at the age of 15. What made you want to get
3: involved with sled dogs? Well, I grew up on a cattle ranch in Montana, and I used to have a border collie for a cow dog. And I used to put a horse halter on him for a harness when I was like 10 years old. I'd never heard of the Iditarod or seen the sled dog or anything. And he used to put, uh, pull the firewood to the house and the hay to the horses. And I also had goats for 4-H. So I used to hook up my border collie with my billy goat. And that was my first dog team, was a, do- was a dog and a goat. And that was when I was like 10 years old. Never even seen a sled dog before. And when I was 15, we moved to a different ranch, and there happened to be some sled dog races in the area. And my mom took me to the races, and we volunteered and helped out some of the mushers. And some of them took me on some rides, and I got my first real sled dog two weeks later. And I went back to those same races a year later when I was 16 with my own 11 dog team. That's funny about the dogs for 28 years. That's
1: funny about the dog and goat. Yeah.
2: We also see that you first started learning about dogs from the famous (laughs) Doug Swingley. Tell us what you learned from Swingley.
3: Well, I worked for Doug Swingley for about a year and a half, and I worked with Susan Butcher for several years and Jeff King for about a year. So I've worked with a a lot of different mushers over the years, and I've learned different things from each one of them, from... Uh, the basics of training and conditioning to feeding to vet care, um, it's just 28 years of learning. Like you never stop learning. I think you learn something every year. It's always something to learn.
2: Is there one specific musher you learn the most from? Um, I
3: don't think so i probably learned a lot on my own as well, trial and error. Um, yeah, probably just everything is put together. Uh, you know, I take little bits from each musher that I like or dislike or, you know, um, yeah, and just put it together for a program that works for me. Talk to but us everybody about... Everybody has different personalities, and everybody's personality works different with different personality dogs. So what might work for somebody else, might not work for me, or vice versa. Talk to us
0: about what you love most about running dogs.
3: Well, all the dogs have different personalities. So out of 65 dogs out there, they're all different. There's not any two the same. And so for me, I've raised all of them from puppies, and I've seen them all grow and mature and turn into racing dogs. And some of them have run eight, nine Iditarods with me, and now some of them are retired. So out of the 65 dogs out there, I have everything from four months old to 15 years old. And once they retire from racing, they stay with me and help train me on dogs. And so I get to see them and train them their whole life. And so you form quite a relationship. I think you form a closer bond with them than you do a pet dog, because when we're out on the trail, our lives actually sometimes depend on each other. Uh, to get, they, I, they rely on me to you know feed them and take care of them, and I rely on them to help me, pull me through a storm or whiteout conditions out on the trail. And so I, when you go through kind of life and death situations like that, I think you form a lot closer relationship. And so the bond with the dog is one of the things that I really enjoy. And, um, they're, they're basically my family. And then also just, I love the outdoors and there's no better way to travel and see the countryside than with your best friends out in front of you. And I think there's no cooler thing to take 16 different personalities and get them all to work together as one team on the trail. And then to be able to take that team and run a 1,000 miles across Alaska through some of the harshest conditions that uh, Mother Nature can throw at you and, and be competitive is uh, quite a challenge. So I enjoy the challenge and the scenery and the camaraderie with the dogs and the other mushers and just all all combined together makes a pretty cool experience. That's a
0: good answer.
1: Can you tell us how to how you prepare for the races?
3: Well, we're training right now, and we don't have any snow, so we train with a four-wheeler or side-by-side and condition the dogs. Sometimes I hook them up in teams, and sometimes I'll just turn 20 of them loose at a time and jump on the four-wheeler, and we'll just go have a fun loose run. Sometimes we'll do 20, 30 miles just with them all running loose, chasing the four-wheeler, um, and... As they get in better shape and it gets cooler and we get more snow, we'll start going to sleds and putting more miles on the dogs. So we'll do some camping trips and um, often we'll do some two and three hundred mile races in January and February with the younger dogs and let them kind of test them out and see how they're going to do and then. Whoever does the best throughout the winter gets to make the racing team. Of course, I've got veterans that, you know, were on the team last year that you, you know, will make it back. So uh, always trying to look for, see how, how many of the younger dogs can, can, um, basically hold up and, and run with the older, more veteran dogs. So they probably have anywhere between two, three, up to 4,000 miles on the dogs before they ever start the idea on. So it's, um, uh, you're looking for, you know, dogs that have the speed, uh, endurance, so how quickly do they recover from a long run, like it, do they run 50 miles and are just, you know, wiped out, or do they run 50 miles and doesn't fade them a bit, so they recover really quickly, those are the kind of dogs we're looking for, so you don't need to rest as much. Um, we're also looking for dogs that are really, really good eaters, because, um Believe it or not, some dogs don't eat enough to hold the, to to maintain their weight. So on the Iditarod, um, they probably right now they're eating about three four thousand calories a day. In the Iditarod, they will eat ten to twelve thousand calories in a day. So they have to be great eaters and eat everything you put in front of them, and to be able to maintain their weight. Because if they if they don't, and they start getting skinny then I have to take them off my team in the race and send them home, and they're not allowed to continue the race. So I'm looking for really, really good eaters. And I'm also looking for dogs that have very, very mentally tough heads. So no matter what we do, like if it's bad weather or storming or wind or whatever, they're the dogs that are like, yep, bring it on, let's go. They love the challenge. And the tougher it is, the more they like it. So we're looking for very, very tough headed dogs, so. Uh, good feet, tough heads, good appetites, and of course they have to have the speed and the endurance to make the team. So all winter long, we're just you know training and and testing the dogs out and challenging them and uh, seeing if we can bring out their full potential in each dog.
0: What is the terrain like where you live?
3: Well, I live in the mountains here in Montana. Uh, we live about four thousand feet here. Uh, but we can get up to like seven and eight thousand feet, um, on some of the trails. So I'm pretty lucky we've got a couple hundred miles of Forest Service roads right out of our backyard. So on four winter training, we can run on all the roads. And in the wintertime, those roads are all groomed snowbill trails. So we've got great sled access as well, but, um, it's kind of, Rolling right here where I'm at, but I don't have to go very far to hit the mountains. And so in each training run, I can run in, you know, flats. I can run rolling hills and then some pretty steep, long grades uh, up and down too. So pretty mountainous here for the most part.
2: How long does it take you to drive up to Alaska from, Maine, from Montana for the to Road?
3: Well, I, let's see, it's 2,700 miles from here to, uh, my, I have a place in Alaska, in Fairbanks, Alaska as well, and so I go back and forth, I spend part of the year in Montana and part of the year in Alaska. This year alone, I've done that drive seven times uh, with horses and dogs, and it depends on the weather and how many dogs or horses I have, um, I've done it in as little as, Two and a half three days and as many as five days but I would say three and a half four days is the average.
0: Last year you finished in third place can you talk to us about that?
3: Well um, I've had the same team um, my, my team of dogs has been most of mostly the same dogs for the past three years so they're a pretty veteran teams um, they definitely uh know the race pretty well we were uh fifth uh, three years ago and then third last year so um pretty good team uh there's just a lot of really really good mushers and dog teams that run this race every year so to be competitive um basically you you can can never give up uh everybody runs into tough situations uh, tough trail conditions, tough weather conditions, um, you know, all kinds of things uh, versus maybe sick dogs or maybe your main leader uh, got an injury and you had to send him home. I mean, things never work out perfect in this race. It is eight, nine, ten days long for the top teams, and you're going to run into all kinds of ups and downs, highs and lows, good, you know, good t- conditions and bad. And the most important thing to remember the whole entire race is to keep a good attitude because if you don't and you get down, the dogs pick up on your attitude and then they get down and depressed. So then they don't do as good. So no matter how tough it is out there, you have to keep a really, really good positive attitude and then the dogs will too. So if you think you're invincible and Whatever the weather throws at you, bring it on. We can handle it, and the dogs will do the same thing. And so that is one of the things that uh, I think my team and I do really well is always keep a positive attitude, and no matter what happens, we just keep doing our best. And you never know how things are going to turn out. Uh, at the beginning of the race, it might look Like, wow, we're we're not doing very good here. But by the end of the race, things can have completely changed around. And uh, it's just so important to keep a good attitude the whole way through. And then you always always end up doing better than you think you will. So we were pretty happy with third place this year.
1: When researching, we also found out that you achieved, achieved a new personal record last year. How did you feel about this?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, personal, personal record of third place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, I, I have been in the top 10 several times and a couple years ago when I was fifth place, I finished with my entire string of 16 dogs. So that was, that was a pretty big goal to finish with my entire team and not drop any dogs. So that was definitely a highlight. Um, But I think I've been fourth and I've been fifth, but I've never been in the top three before. So just being able to be in that top three and being right with first and second for most of the whole race, um, it was pretty exciting because, I mean, if I can be third and right with first and second, who knows, maybe next year I could be first or second. So, um, yeah, it's always, always exciting and encouraging to know that, you, you can be right at the top with, with all the rest of the best teams in the world.
2: We noticed in the videos they posted last year that Insider focused a lot on women. In one of those interviews, you mentioned that it doesn't really affect you. With three women finishing in the top ten last year, can you tell us more about your thoughts on women versus men in the Iditarod?
3: pretty unique sport in that men race against women young against old rookie against veteran everybody's all in the same field and almost every other sport in the world there's men's classes or women's classes or pro classes versus amateur classes so they're pretty unique that everybody's in one field um and so it's it's to me it's Really, more about a dog race than it is about the mushers. Um, there's there's definitely more men that run Eggler on than women, for sure. Um, I think that um, there's, there's, I don't know, there, me and Allie are typically the only ones that make the top 20, or that's definitely the top 10. So Paige was new this year. Um, it's not that women don't do good. It's just that it is pretty tough to compete against the men, um, I guess, physically. But um, it's also, like I said, it, it, I think it's more mental than anything. Um, I think it's definitely more mental than it is physical. And, and maybe some men are better at that than women. But I know some pretty, really tough women, and, it does, and they're just as good as the guys. So it's cool that we're all in the same, um, same field. And nobody treats us any different. I mean, the guys that we race against don't treat us any different just because we're women. Um, it's, like I said. I think it's really more about the dogs than it is the actual musher. It's more of a dog race than it is, um, you know, about the about the musher and whatnot. But um, I don't know. I just I've never thought about myself being a woman and being special or different. I just do what I like to do, and I do the best I can at what I want to do. And the fact that I'm a woman or or racing against guys, it doesn't even cross my mind, or uh, I just do what I love to do. That's that's run dogs and run across Alaska, and and, uh, I think that's what ultimately, in the end, is what's important.
2: To get third, you must be pretty tough then. (laughs)
3: <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> I don't know. You, the, the hardest thing about running Iditarod is, is the mental aspect of it, but also handling the lack of sleep. Because, you know, we're not running. like We're, we're, sta- we're mostly standing on the back of the sled. The dogs are the ones that are running. I, I try to run up as many of the hills and pedal. I mean, I work quite a bit on the back of the sled, um, but I'm not, like, just running the whole way. So I just run up the hills and I pedal quite a bit. But um, the the hardest thing is, when we are at the checkpoints, is taking care of the dogs because we are not allowed any outside assistance. So we're out with the dogs the whole time on the trail, helping them out as much as we can. And then when we get to a checkpoint, while they're sleeping, we are taking care of them. So they might get four to five hours of rest, but by the time I, you know, uh, massage them, catch their feet, uh, heat up uh, water or melt snow to make a hot meal, and feed the dogs, um, you know, resupply my sled, maybe change the runner plastic on the sled, get some to eat myself, uh, rebooty the dogs, get ready to go. There's so much to do that while they got four to five hours of sleep, I'm lucky if I sometimes get 20 to 30 minutes of sleep. So in a 24-hour period, the dogs might get 10 hours of rest, but me as a musher, I'll be lucky if I get lucky if I get an hour a day, and that's in just a couple naps. And there's been times where I've gotten only two 15-minute naps a day. So the sleep deprivation, I think, is one of the hardest things in the Iditarod, and when you're sleep-deprived, of course, it's always hard to keep a good attitude. So... One of the strengths that I know I have over a lot of the other mushers is being able to handle the lack of sleep. And Pete and, um, Kaiser is another one that can really handle the guy that won this year. He really handles lack of sleep really well too, where a lot of the other mushers get pretty rummy and pretty, pretty uh, tired. So they can't maybe function or, or as quickly or as efficiently as they should. So that, that I think, is one of the hardest things about being in the top on the Iditarod is the lack of sleep.
0: What do you think your strategy will be going into this year's race?
3: Uh, well, um, let's see. I'm not sure, you know, because um, we are going to be um, doing some races here in Montana and Idaho. In January and February, some two and 300-mile races, and just trying to get as many miles of the dogs as we can before the race starts. Then once we get to the race, it just really depends on the weather and the trail conditions. So a lot of people write schedules um, going into the race of what they want to do, In all the Iditarods I've ever run, I've never written a schedule. Because I never know what the weather and the trail conditions are going to be. And I don't know how the dogs feel at that particular moment. They might be on an upswing or a downswing. And are they feeling good or are they maybe not feeling so good? So when I get on the race, I really just run my dog team and how they look in front of me. And so it's really, really important to read and know your dogs and to um, for your dogs to have that trust in you. So... Um, you know, I might be running them and, and maybe you can see that, wow, that run took a little more out of them. I need to give them a little extra rest. Or that run didn't take us as long as I thought it would. So, hey, we can keep going a little further. Or So I really think that's pretty critical and key in running this race is being able to see the changes in your dog team as they're happening and be able to do the correct thing for the dogs at that time. So I don't know that I really have a huge strategy going into the race other than just to always do our best, give it our all, and do what we can, you know, according to the weather and the trail conditions. Never give up.
0: The next part of our show we call lightning round. We have five questions for you to answer as quick as you can. Ready?
1: Okay. Favorite check
3: what's your favorite checkpoint? Uh that was a tough one. Um I don't know. I'll say Cacana. Favorite dog. Well that's a really hard one because I have a lot of dogs over the years. Um <laughs> Ranger. He's finished nine I did a rudge with me. But he's retired now. So if you if you if you count the dogs that are currently on my team it would probably be Seal. He's my current main leader.
0: Favorite mushroom.
3: Favorite musher
1: Allie Zirkel. Yeah. Favorite meal at a checkpoint.
3: Mm, lasagna.
2: Favorite musical.
3: Favorite music that I listen to on the trail or?
2: Musical, like.
3: Musical, oh, hmm. I you know, sound of music, I guess.
0: Next,
3: what is your favorite song to listen to on the trail? Favorite song to listen to on the trail? Um, well, I can't remember the name of that song. I think I have a lot of different stuff on my MP3 player um, that I listen to on the trail, but one of them is sung by Tim McGraw. I can't remember the name of it, but it's How Bad Do You Want It? I think that okay, I can not know if that's the name of the song or not, but it's how bad do you want it? And basically saying that you gotta work for you gotta work hard to get what you want.
1: We were asking our guests to give us three names they would <clears throat> they think would be great ge- guests on our podcast.
3: Uh three names. Well, my three favorite mushers on the trail are Ali Zirkel your Ultim awesome, and Pete Kaiser. And they would probably all great ones to get. Um who else? Let's see. Uh Richie Deal's another really good one. Um there's a lot of really good mushers that you could probably get to uh, to come on and talk to... Thank you. But definitely Allie and Pete, you should get those guys. Allie's awesome. She's my favorite. Do do
1: you have any questions for us? Well, yeah, you guys never told me your names. My name's Bentley. Frank.
0: And Geneva.
3: Geneva, Frank, and Bentley? Yeah. Awesome. Well, nice to meet you. You guys did a great job. Thanks. Thank you.
2: Thank you for taking time out of your day to talk to us. Good luck this year, and we will be following you.
3: Well, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it.
2: Special thanks to our guest, Jesse Roger for being on our show this week. Subscribe to us on iTunes and tune in next week. We'd also like to give credit to Hobo Jim for her theme song, the I Did a Rod Trail song. And now, enjoy a clip from Jesse Roger's favorite song, How Bad Do You Want It? by Tim McGraw.